0: Welcome to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. I was in a dog fight last night, and I'm very happy my dogs won. Go, Yukon Huskies. UConn Huskies played the Gonzaga Bulldogs last night. You may not know, I was born and raised in Connecticut. Born and raised, my sister went to UConn, and we rooted for the Huskies because we didn't have any other pro teams in Connecticut. So uh, we were reduced to UConn. Thankfully, they had a good team. They won last night. They're in the Final Four. And that little tidbit of information does have bearing on the sermon, in case you're wondering. Um, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know, if you've been a, uh, a Pentecostal or a charismatic for any amount of time, uh, Ezekiel 37 is, is something you've heard quite a bit of. You know, the prophes- prophet goes, prophesy to the bare bones. Remember, prophesy. Can these bones live, right? Prophesy to them. Prophesy breath and sinew and, and, and muscle to them, and they rise up and, and they create a great army. Amen? We won't be in Ezekiel 37 today. Amen. Um, just so you're not disappointed. (laughs) But if you could turn to Ezekiel 36, one chapter earlier, that's where we're going to be today. When I read Ezekiel 36, I always get a little knot in my throat, a little choked up, um, it's a little bit of my interpretation of what I think is happening in Ezekiel 36. Obviously, Ezekiel is a prophet, Old Testament prophet. You know, we're going to be in the Old Testament. That's the bad God place. The bad God lives in the Old Testament. The good God lives in the New Testament, right? The bad God swallow, opens the earth and swallows up people. And the bad God puts leprosy and fireballs from the sky. He lives in the Old Testament, right? The good God's in the New Testament. But we're going to start in the bad God book. Um, But every time i read this i'm stirred because god reveals his heart he i i wonder if ezekiel got a lump in his throat when he was prophesying this and i wonder even, even if father got a lump in his throat when he was prophesying ezekiel 36 it begins by a little tongue-in-cheek, and the Lord's kind of playing little games with the children of Israel, and he begins to prophesy by prophesying over their hills and valleys and ravines. He's actually prophesying to land. Now, I know that Ezekiel didn't wander out into the wilderness, find some hills, valleys, and ravines and prophesy to them and expect a response out of them. Uh, he had Ezekiel prophesy to the land in front of the children of Israel to to drive a point home with them because they were living in idolatry and they had turned their back away from the Lord and they were hard-hearted and they had been dispersed out to all the outside lands. And so the Lord was prophesying uh, to the land that they were uh, dispersed out of. And what had happened is the land had become desolate and there used to be orchards and fields on this these hills, valleys, and ravines and they had become desolate because of the sin of the people. And... Um, And so he's prophesying to the land and he says, um, son of man, prophesy to the mountains. You mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says, since your enemy has spoken against you, since your enemy has spoken against the mountains, hills and ravines saying, aha, and the everlasting heights have become our possession. Their enemies were saying, we're going to take your mountains and your hills and your valleys. This is what the Lord God says. He says, "Since your enemies have spoken against you, therefore prophesy and say, 'This is what the Lord God says: For good reason they have made you a desolation and harassed you on every side, so that you would become a possession of the rest of the nations. And you have taken up, <clears throat> and you have been taken up in the talk and the rumor of the people. Therefore, you mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God.'" This is what the Lord God says to the mountains, to the hills, to the ravines, to the valleys, to the desolate ruins, and to the abandoned cities, which have been plundered and become an object of ridicule to the rest of the nations. They're all around. Therefore, the Lord God says, Certainly in the fire of my jealousy I have spoken against the rest of the nations, against all Edom, who who appropriated my land for themselves as a possession with wholehearted joy and with contempt of soul in order to make this pasture land plunder. He's saying basically all the enemies rejoiced over the fact that they got this new land for themselves. Israel ran away. Israel was dispersed. They're living in idolatry. And their enemies have come and taken their land. Therefore, prophesy in regard to the land of Israel. Say to the mountains, to the hills, to the ravines, to the valleys. This is what the you ever knows prophets repeat a lot. It's a little wearisome, right? Triple again and again and again. It makes me laugh because we do that. Next time somebody prophesies, everybody says, stop repeating. No. Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my wrath, because you have endured the insults of the nations. Therefore the Lord God says, I have sworn that the nations that are around you will certainly endure their own insults themselves. But as for you, mountains of Israel, you will grow branches. You will bear fruit for my people Israel, for they are about to come. They are about to return. He's going to bring the people of Israel back to their land. God is upset with the people of Israel. They have turned their hearts from Him. They have played the harlot. They have hardened their hearts. And they're following after idols. And this is how bad God talks to them. I don't even know if I can say it. For behold, I am for you. And I will turn you. And I will turn to you. And you will be cultivated and sown. And I will multiply people on you. All the house of Israel. All of it. The cities will be inhabited. The ruins will be rebuilt. And I will multiply on you peoples and animals and increase in fruitfulness. And I will populate you as you were previously. And I will treat you better than at the beginning. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Yes, I will have people, my people Israel, walk on you, possess you, so that you become their inheritance and never again bereave them of children. I, I'm For the sake of time, I'm just going to push ahead. He says, therefore, I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they have shed on the land because they had defiled it with their idols. They also sca- I also scattered them amongst the nations and dispersed them throughout the land according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nation where, I went, where they went, they profaned my holy name because it was said of them, these are the people of the Lord, yet they have left his land. I'm sorry, forgive me. Now he's prophesying over the nation of Israel, and he says, For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the lands, and I will bring you into your own land, and I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all of your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and I will bring about that you will walk so that it will bring about so that you will walk in my statutes and be careful to follow my ordinances." and you will live in the land I gave to your forefathers so that you will be my people and I will be your God. Instead, I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field so that you will not receive again disgrace from other nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourself in your own sight for your wrongdoings and your abominations. What does that sound like? The goodness of the Lord leads us to repentance. He said, then, when you see me do all that good to you, you'll loathe yourself in your own sight for your wrongdoings. You know, it's said that he's going to take their heart of stone. It's always good when you preach to have a stone. Right? Right? If just one person charges the pulpit, I'm ready. (laughs) I don't know about two, but... It says that their heart became like a stone. Back in the Old Testament, this is how the Lord communicated with people. He spoke to their heart. He moved on your heart. It's it said their mind, their wills, their emotions. The word is actually the center. That's where their heart was. Obviously, it's not the actual pump that pumps the blood. It's the supernatural. It's the it's the the core, the soul of man. He said, but it's it's become like a rock. It can't feel, it can't be moved anymore. It can't I can't write upon it. I can't change it. It's a rock. It's no good. I can't communicate with you anymore, the Lord's saying. So there's only one remedy for this. I'm going to take it and I'm going to give you back a fresh start. I'm going to reboot you with the original material. The heart that you can hear me and the heart that I can love and the heart that can respond to me. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to get rid of this thing because you'll never come back and we'll never be able to be uh, cooperate together if if I can't get through to your heart. They say whenever God restores someone, He always takes it to the next level, and He did here. He said, you know, not only am I going to give you a heart of flesh, but I'm going to put my Spirit within you. That was unheard of back then. The Holy Spirit, the first time we hear about Him, He's in Genesis, is He's moving on the waters, right? And then further on in the Old Testament, he's in the temples, right? He's in the Holy of Holies. He's in, the, he's in the, the, um, <clears throat> the box with the angels, right? That's where he was. He went from moving on the waters into the temples. And we heard every now and then he came out and he would rest upon a man like Samson who could kill... How many thousands with the jawbone of an ass or a a, a prophet or Elijah who could run a hundred miles? Every now and then the Holy Spirit would come out of the Holy of Holies, come out of the Ark of the Covenant, and He would rest upon an individual and then He would kind of go back, right? That's where they kept Him in the the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark. But He says here that not only am I going to get rid of the rock, I'm going to give you back your original equipment. I'm going, to, I'm going to reset you. And this time, I'm going to put my Spirit within you. Amen. It's unheard of. You know, in the, in the New Testament, so the next place the Holy Spirit gets to go, He's on the waters, He's in the ark, every now and then He comes on. His next place is He actually gets to go into a human being. First time ever. You ever think about that? When the Holy Spirit entered Jesus Christ, the first time he's ever been inside a human body. Right? Yeah. Isn't that amazing that one member of the Trinity actually habitated and dwelled inside another member? It's crazy. Think about it. Amazing. But his next place of residence was right in Jesus. You know, so let's move into the good God area. Let's go to John 14. (sighs) So this is the this is the Last Supper. This is the kind of the final debriefing. Jesus with his disciples. Judas has left. Bad Judas is off doing things that bad Judas does. And now Jesus is communicating with the disciples. He's he's giving them kind of the final debriefing. And we have John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, the final priestly prayer. And he tells them something that's very amazing. He says to them, if you had known me, you, uh, you would know my Father also. From now on, you will know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It is enough for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you f- so long, Philip, yet you have not come to know me? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe? Now, listen to the terminology. Listen to the words that Jesus is doing. He's setting them up. He's jabbed. He's jabbing them, jab, jab. He's setting them up. He's trying to get these concepts in their head. And he says, believe in me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I'm going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, so that the Father may be glorified. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He says in verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper so that He may be with you. This is it. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy, right? The helper is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He remains with you and will be in you. Now, that's a lot. To download, we 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 we're still trying to get it. Do you know? I realize that anywhere you go, you're never alone. If you're born again and and following Jesus Christ in sincerity, there's always two of you, right? There's always Him and you. He goes every He goes everywhere you go. He's stuck inside you. You are a container. You're a a vessel, a dwelling of the Holy Spirit. There's always two of you. You're never alone. I mean, if I move real quick to the left, I, I can't shake him. He's right here. He lives inside of me. Verse 26, But the Helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. He said that I'm going to send you another helper or advocate. Actually, the best word there that's readily accepted is comforter. I'm going to send you another comforter. Even comforter is not really a good word. The better word is coach. The Holy Spirit is a coach. That's the, like the best word for him. He's your coach. <laughs> Huskies and bulldogs. He's your coach. I'm going to send you another coach, another helper. That word another is the uh, Greek word Alon. A-L-L-O-N, alan. There's another word uh, for, uh, there's another word for another in the New Testament, and it's etero, etero. What does that sound like? Etero. Sounds like hetero, like heterosexual. Two things that are the same but different. A heterosexual marriage is a marriage of a man and a woman. Two things that are the same but different. And all the husbands said, Amen. <laughs> two things that are the same but different. Hetero, hetero. The word here is Alan. It's two things that are different but the same. Okay? How are they different? Well, Jesus is a man. He's in a human body. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. They're different, but they're the same. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to carry on what Jesus started. The, the terminology there means that one that displaces the place vacated by another. So Jesus was telling them, I'm leaving. He's going to displace me. He's going to come on and pick up where I left off. He doesn't have his own syllabus. He doesn't have his own agenda. He doesn't have his own... He's not going to take you down a different road. Everything that I've been saying to you, teaching to you, uh, sharing with you, helping you, grooming you, everything that I've been doing in you, he's going to pick up where I left off. He's just going to displace me. He's different, but he's the exact same as. It's important to know that. that The Holy Spirit is not going to take you anywhere. Jesus wouldn't take you. That's the gift. And Jesus said, I'm going to pray that Father's going to send you another. One called alongside, well, as Eileen was saying. Uh, uh, this is my wife. Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> that was great, honey. Was that Marshall? Were you talking about Marshall? Algonquin. Yeah, you need Jesus to climb Algonquin. Big mountain. Holy Spirit. Paracletos, one who's called alongside. And yet he's more than alongside. He's within us. And he fills the void vacated by Jesus. And he takes the place. And he's the coach. He, he comes alongside us. It says in the New Testament and in, in the book of John that the Holy Spirit's jobs are to comfort us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. He's a permanent indweller in us. He teaches us. John 14, 26. He reminds us of all the things that Jesus said. John 15, 26. He testifies to us and through us. John 16, 9. He convicts lost souls of their sins. John 16, 10. The Holy Spirit convinces us of our righteousness. His job is to convince us of who we are. All that Jesus did. The Holy Spirit's job is to convince us of all the stuff that Jesus did for us and did in us. Uh, John 16, 3, he guides us. That word in itself is crazy. It means tour guide. Like he takes you to all the best places. Right? The only way to visit a a foreign country is with someone who lives there. They know all the best restaurants, the ones to stay away from, Right? They, all, they know all the good tourist places and all the bad tourist places. That, that's the word, tour guide. Holy Spirit is our tour guide for life. Amen. Within that word, another helper is a, a kind of a Greek nuance that we don't hear too much. the Holy Spirit has actually an assignment from the Father. Like, He actually has an assignment, a task that Father has given Him to fulfill. I don't know if we think like that. Do you think like that? I mean, I'm glad He guides us, and He comforts us, and He teaches us, and He convinces us. But you know that He actually has, the Father's given Him an assignment to fulfill in our lives. Now, it doesn't make the Godhead wobbly, you know. The Holy Spirit is not subservient to the Father. But He just has a task. Jesus had a task. Become a human. Go to the earth. Train, raise up. Die. Be resurrected. The Holy Spirit has a job. He has an assignment from the Father. He's trying to complete His assignment in you. the holy spirit is trying to complete his assignment in you but there's a problem the problem is back to the beginning of the sermon we have home court advantage we have a will the father promised he will not override he does not want robots we have home court advantage. Which means, if you want something that's mind-blowing, the Spirit of the living God that moved upon the waters, that created the galaxies and the stars, that separated the land, that created animals and populated the earth, and created the stars that go on as far as we can see, the Spirit of the living God that was active in all of that, we can limit Him. He will not override your will. He's a gentleman. The God of the universe that has the ability to squash us like that loves us and will not force us to do anything. The Holy Spirit is completely dependent upon your cooperation. Do you think about that? Do you think about that at all? Prop number two. I wrestle with prop number two. I talk to my wife about prop number two. It's hard. It's a hard prop. Harder than this one. And I don't want anybody to misunderstand. It says in Romans 8.14 that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. The word there has two different nuances. One actually has to do with a military consultant that an army will call into place, a strategist that will help them know how to move their infantry and their heavy armored divisions and their planes. uh, Someone who comes along and helps an army win a battle to be led by the Holy Spirit. But in reality, the word means to lead like you would lead a farm animal. That's a lot for the Western culture to swallow. I I wish it didn't say that. But led there means, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons and daughters of God. It said if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Same word, led, like you would lead a farm animal. The farmer takes the the rope, and he puts it around the neck of his sheep or his goat or his calf or his cow, and he leads it. And because he loves the animal, and because it represents not only something that he probably saw be birthed, but it cost him money, he doesn't beat the animal. He simply leads by gentle tugs. Gentle tugs. Do the same thing. You've seen it like National Geographic. They lead elephants the same way. Something that weighs 100, 200 times their weight, they can lead them with a simple rope. I said all that to say this. We, I said, Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to say here today? What, what am I supposed to say And he said, tell them that I have have an assignment. And that is to complete and finish what the Lord started in their life. And tell them that I wish that they would cooperate and let me do it. Tell them that I wish they would let me finish my assignment. I said, okay. Okay, Spirit, what do you mean by that? You know, you can ignore the Holy Spirit. You can postpone him. You can put him in a box. Pull him out when you need him. This is my Holy Spirit. I bring him to church with me on Sunday. I pick other religious events, things that I do where I might need Holy Spirit, and I I put him in my box, and I take him out when I need him. But sometimes he, he might embarrass me, so I don't bring him everywhere. And look, he fits real nice on top of my Bible. so I can carry him around. And I take him out. I mean, not having the Holy Spirit when you're in church would be like being naked, wouldn't it? Oh my goodness, you showed up without the Holy Spirit. Maybe I'll take him to my home group. I might go pray for someone. I'll need him. But the rest of the time, I put him back in the ark, excuse me, box, and I put him in a special place. And I don't need him. Like, who do we think we are? We can crowd him out. You know, you can crowd the Holy Spirit out. You can get so busy in your life with your stuff and things you think you need to be doing. And every busy thing you do comes with lots of busy thoughts. So if Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, He's got to penetrate those busy thoughts to somehow get your attention that maybe on a whim, I don't know, if the stars align, that you might actually ask Him, hey, what should I do? Otherwise, we're way too busy. People want revival. We're too busy for revival. And we don't want to be inconvenienced. I want revival I want revival, Max, from 9 o'clock on Sunday to 12 o'clock on Sunday. It would be great if we could have revival. Otherwise, I got stuff planned. I got stuff planned. We can negotiate with the Holy Spirit. He shows us plan A. We bait and switch him and try to get plan B out of him. I don't really want to do, I don't want to go there. Can I just do this? right? It's kind of like that, only it's, I'm not inconvenienced. Or, But see, his job is to get plan A. He never gives up for plan B. His job is to complete and finish plan A in your life. Every time we say plan B, he, he waves us off. I can't do that. That's not who you are. Bill Johnson said that if we really knew what the plans and the, and the vision and the destiny had for us, we would never trade it for somebody else's if we really knew, right? So we negotiate. We can blame shift it away. That's a big one. We can blame shift I can't really become what God's called me to be because of all these other people. We blame shift it away. You don't understand. I had these people in my life. I couldn't come. I couldn't become that because of all these other people in my life. Or we can just become religious and we get so caught up in our rituals that he can't get a word in edgewise. You know that the sermon is not the most important part of the Sunday morning. It's not. What happened during worship and what happened afterwards and the Spirit moving and speaking His heart for that, that's the most important part of the service. You know that thousands upon thousands of preachers are across the country now, now preaching a message. The sermon is not the most important part. The moving of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, and the presence of Jesus in our midst is the most important part of a service we could do without sermons. Most of you, and I don't know all of you, most of you do not need another sermon. You do not need another teaching. You do not need another conference. Plus, you can get all you want now on these things. I can get the best teachers in the world on these things. Even some of them that are croaked already, I can get them. They're even better. (laughs) Commentary. I can get the best Bible teachers in the world on this thing. You mean to tell me you need another sermon? We don't need any more learning. We need more doing. So that is what Holy Spirit has sent me to say to you this morning. Listen up, because I'm going to like give it to you here. See, I brought my Kleenex with me. It's time, again, to make a conscious decision to be led by the Holy Spirit. To embrace His subtle requirement of His leadership and to allow Him to fulfill His assignment in your life to complete the Father's will. It's time to minimize the noise in your life and move toward Him in an uncluttered focus. To make steps to take the time. I hesitated to do this because I believe that people would find it offensive, and I understand that. You should never let anyone put a rope around your neck. Not even the Holy Spirit. Well see, Jen, I'm a little confused here. You said we're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. You said that it's a picture of farm animals and that's how they led them. But gentle nudges and tugs that they follow after their master. But, uh, and I would never let another human being put a rope around my neck. Well, the Holy Spirit won't do it either. So, how does the rope get there? You have to put it there. You have to put the rope on. And you have to hand him the lead and say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Lead me again. Lead me again. It's that simple, guys. It's time to get back to being led by the Spirit. For this past week, this is how I have been beginning my prayers. This is my activation. This is my equipping. You can do this. When I'm in my prayer closet, I kneel down and I make an imaginary noose or loop with my hands and I say Holy Spirit I put it on I put on the rope and I hand you the lead and I come under your authority I trust you I know that you love me I know that you're for me but I also know that you have an assignment to complete in me to finish in me the work that Father started in me. And so I give you the end of the rope and I ask you to lead me, to lead me in the way that you have me to go. I yield to you. I want you to lead me. And that's how I begin my prayer. Only you could put the rope on. I'll tell you just a secret or two. When he leads you, look up. Watch him. Watch the way he moves, Holy Spirit. Watch what he values. Watch what's important to him when he takes you places. Watch what he values and what's important to him. And then you begin to move with him. Shorten the distance between Him and you. Close the distance so that you're not being led by a rope. You're shadowing Him. You're right behind Him. When you're doing that, you won't need the rope anymore. They say the Holy Spirit has eyes in the back of His head. He does. He can see if you're following Him. He can see if your heart is wanting to be moved by Him and follow Him. And when He sees that, the rope is no longer needed because he knows that all those that are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons and the daughters of God. And he knows that, that all those that are led by the Spirit are not under the law. My encouragement to us this morning, if I can put a prophetic quotes on this, is that we need to be people that are led by the Spirit. We need to be people that are allowing Holy Spirit to complete His work in us. There's something about the future of us that's going to require this. A people that know how to follow Holy Spirit. There's something about the future of us that we're going to need this. And so that's why I'm here today. Father, I pray I pray that something that I have said will resonate in each person here. Holy Spirit, I pray that something You said would resonate in each person here. I pray that even this afternoon or, or this evening or Wednesday or whenever, Lord, that a picture of me on my knee or perhaps the rope or perhaps the stone would resonate in our minds and in our spirits and we would say, Holy Spirit, lead me again. Help me to declutter my life. Help me to get rid of the stuff that prevents me from hearing You and following You. I I can't feel the tugs anymore. I can't feel the gentle pulling of the rope. And I want to because I trust You. I trust You to bring me into the completion of what Father has for me. Father, I pray that it would be that way for us. I thank you, Lord. Amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.